Hi, this is Laura Lee Griffin. And this is Nikki May with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. So Nikki, who are we talking to today? Well, we've been talking a lot lately about following your intuition and listening to your intuitive voice. And today we're interviewing the king of following his inspiration or obsessions. (laughs) And yes, you heard me right. I said king. Today we're interviewing our first man on the Start a Society podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce you to artist, illustrator, musician, self-proclaimed mad scientist, and Dungeons & Dragons geek, Tyler Thrasher. Tyler has an undying love for nature and its respective curiosities, and there are few things Tyler's brain isn't obsessing over. Between his pursuits to crystallize the world, opalize everything, and hunt down some of the most unique plants... His passion to combine art and science every step of the way is his fire and fuel. He applies his brand of hopeful, angry optimism to everything he does, and we can't wait to dig in and learn more. Tyler, welcome to the Stardust Society. Hi. Yay. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be here. Thanks so much for being here. Um, So, Tyler, I did some digging in the depths of my computer and my inbox and Google, and I figured out that I probably first learned about you and your amazing cicadas through the Beautiful Bazaar website back in like early 2016, Mm -hmm. um, which led me to your Instagram. And I bought my first of your crystallized cicadas way back in May of 2016. Um, Holy crap. I know, right? (laughs) I'd love to go back to that time and even before and hear about how you got started in your creative career. Um, We always like to start our interviews with your stardust story. Yeah. I mean, first off, I got to say, like, the mad props. You have like one of the OG cicadas. That, I <laughs> that's know. Awesome. I know. It's amethyst and it's, um, I think it's a, a, a bat wing cicada. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn, yeah. Cool. Way back um, when. Well, yeah. I mean, where do I start? Um, I, I would argue I've been creative my whole life. Uh, I've always had some pursuit toward the natural world, toward curiosity, or at least a healthy practice of diving into my curiosity. You know, I mean, I could start from the very beginning or I could start where I began crystallizing insects, which is what propelled my creative career? Maybe somewhere between the two. <laughs> between the two. Okay. All right. Let's take it back. Uh, so I would say that I didn't begin taking art seriously until high school. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, an art teacher in high school, one of those rare teachers that recognizes, you know, talent. I don't want to say I have talent, but I got to give props to her ability to be very attentive toward her students. Uh, She saw me sketching in a hallway. I wasn't even taking art classes. I was just sketching. It was sort of a coping mechanism for me. And she stopped me and she said, I don't care what you're signing up for next year. My class is included. I was like, (laughs) what? And she was like, I'm signing you up. I was like, oh, okay. Never. I had never been taken seriously um, art wise. Never. I'd never taken art seriously or considered it as an option. And so it was really reassuring to have this stranger stop me and say, what you're doing is awesome. I recognize that. And I'm going to do my little part to pave that way for you. It was awesome. It was one of the first times in my life I'd experienced that. So I signed up for the class and I fell in love. Uh, I was in an environment where the things I loved to do were noticed by others. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was an adult who was helping curate that and helping me understand what it was I was doing. Uh, That was such a new and exciting feeling. And next thing I knew, it made me say, I don't give a shit where the rest of my life goes. Art needs to be in it. It was so powerful to have an adult do that for me that Mm -hmm. 
I decided this is it, man. This is everything. That's fantastic. Like, yeah. Um, and after that, I graduated high school. And I said, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to college for art. And I'm going to be an artist. And that's exactly what happened next. <laughs> awesome. So what did you study in college? Computer animation and uh, uh, Japanese. And, Interesting. Uh, oh, wow. I Man, I was that kid in high school. I watched all the anime. I stayed up till three in the morning watching Adult Swim, uh, <laughs> watching Cowboy Bebop and uh, Full Metal Alchemist, all of it. And I was like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I studied Japanese in high school for four years. I, I lived in Japan for a summer. Oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was damn near fluent. And then I went to college and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to go to Japan. Uh, so I let the Japanese fall back. Wait, and then, Laura, didn't uh, you live in Japan for a little bit? I worked in Japan for a little bit, but oh, I also cool. worked at an animation studio. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, Tyler, but I was not an artist. I was the accountant. So it was like way less cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I lived in Utsunomiya in Tokyo. Um, Utsunomiya is the sister city to Tulsa. And so it was... It was really, it was my first time leaving the country and I was like 18 and it just, you know, that added on to like, oh my God, the world outside of my immediate life is so much more exciting than I was ever told. Oh yeah. So -hmm. I went to college again, you know, that was my first time leaving home and I was like, oh my God, I'm out here on my own. Um, What do I want to do with my life? Yeah. I never really had anyone sort of like suggest anything to me or offer me options I was never really taken seriously as a kid. Uh, and so I said, screw it. I'm going to do everything myself. And so in college, I signed up for my own art galleries, my own art shows. I, I pulled stuff together at coffee shops. I just did everything on my own. Um, and a lot of that was curated and enforced by a really great art teacher, uh, Jennifer Brown in high school, who encouraged that in me. And uh, so I studied animation. And then I got right up to graduating. I was like three weeks from graduating. And I said, I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> I don't want to be an animator. Not at all. I, our school made the mistake of having a professional animator come speak to us. And I asked hard questions. And I asked him, I said, when's the last time you worked on your own project? It was like, oh, about 10 years ago. And I said, that sucks. I'm out. <laughs> I said, yeah. And, and I said, I said, what's your home life like? Because I know animators work like 70 hours a week. I was like, yeah. what's your home life like? And he was like, oh, uh, you know, we split up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the animator's widow term is like a real thing. And I thought, Jesus, this guy looks so depressed. And that was when I realized I can't live my life. I can't give up my art career making stories for someone else while hating my own life the whole time. Not going to happen. So amen. I did finish the degree though. <laughs> so then what did you do? Well, uh, I said, I'm going to finish the degree. I'm three weeks out. Well, yeah, I got to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I decided I wanted to be a self-employed artist. Okay. I was like, I don't care what it is. I'll make my own stories. I'll keep selling art in coffee shops. I don't care as long as I'm not, dying working on someone else's ideas um i told my my professors this half of them were like you're an idiot you're it's not going to work this doesn't work there's a reason why there aren't many self-employed artists and i was Mm -hmm. like okay i'm the kind of guy where if i'm told i can't do something or something's not possible i double down Um, yeah you're gonna prove them wrong yeah and so that's what i did and the first thing i did was i said you know what i'm gonna go in a cave I spent most of my college career caving. I said, when I got really depressed or down, I would go find a cave to crawl through. Uh, and I would see all these crystals and minerals. And ah. They started to like fill my dreams. I started to draw minerals instead of animating. Um, mm-hmm. I would see all these insects while I was hiking. So I would draw these very anatomical illustrations of insects. Then I started dreaming insects and crystals. And then I started combining them. And I started drawing crystals on insects. And I have a chemistry background, so my brain was like, wait, you know how to grow crystals? I was like, yes, I do, brain. <laughs> and, and the brain was like, what if you actually made crystallized insects? And I thought, oh, shit, what? And I Googled it. I Googled crystallized insects. There was nothing. Uh, and I thought, well, I don't even know what this would look like in real life. So h- how long ago was this? 
this was about three weeks before I graduated. So uh, 2015. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like May 2015. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so a year before and, I bought my first cicada from you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't know what it would look like. I couldn't imagine it. So I went outside. Um, I got some insect bodies and then it was cicada season. So I got some cicada shells and I submerged them in a crystalline solution of copper sulfate, checked on it a week later, and there were crystals growing out of the cicada shell. I, I'm not kidding you when I say I screamed. I, I would have screamed out. too. <laughs> I mean, it, serious oh, happy dance. Yeah, I. It opened up my my freaking brain. Like when you when you're making art, you're very aware of every step. You do the sketches. You do the meticulous drawing. The line work. You know what you're getting for the most part, mm-hmm. unless you get mm-hmm. in that, you know, the artist entrancement where you're, you're not even aware of what you're doing. Right. Those rare occasions. But I was used, I was making art where I did not know what the end result was. And I loved it. I loved it. Every single time was a surprise. And I was mm-hmm. making something I couldn't Google. I was like, this is cool. Uh, and I was showing my teachers this and they were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and they were like, you should animate this. And I said, no, I made it. I'm not going to animate it. <laughs> I made it. And I had a very different view than some of my professors. And not that it then, wouldn't be really cool animated too. <laughs> no, it probably yeah. would be. Yeah. Uh, but one of my favorite artists who she got me through all of college, J.A.W. Cooper, uh, I wanted one of her sketches. So I reached out and I said, Hey, you're really famous. This isn't going to, you're probably not going to read this, but you do a lot of cicada drawings and I grow crystals on cicadas. And I would love to trade one of these to you for a sketch. I was like, I don't think you'll read this, but I'm just shooting my shot. You're a huge inspiration. Yeah. And Cooper replied, she freaking replied. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. And Cooper was like, yeah, we'll trade. Let's trade. And I freaked out. So I sent Cooper uh, a box of crystallized cicadas. Cooper shared them on Instagram. And the next morning I woke up and I had thousands of followers. My page was blowing up. People were asking to buy them. And I was like, I was never expecting to sell these. I was just making oh, these wow. to get me through. Uh, and my wife, fiance at the time, Molly, was like, you could sell these mm-hmm. and make a living. And I was like, yeah. no, I can't because <laughs> artists don't do that because that's what I was told. And yeah. I took pre-orders and, and it's been my full-time job ever since. Wow. I know. When I first discovered you and I wanted one, I had to wait because they were always sold out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when are they going to be available? Jump on it. <laughs> Man, those cicadas are some beautiful eye candy. Uh, I know they were just the start for you, Tyler, and you've now grown your business to incorporate a lot of other passions that you have. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of artists think that you have to be very strategic, you know, very organized and sort of plan everything out perfectly in advance in order to be successful. But I think the growth in your own career hasn't necessarily looked exactly like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really curious to hear more about the path that led from the cicadas onto some of your other products. Well, it's great that you started with the cicadas and that's kind of become your bread and butter because you know, Mm -hmm. it's cicadas. And I know that you've moved on to like scorpions and skulls (laughs) and all kinds of things. And by the way, I make art on, um, skulls and things too. Oh, nice. So how did you go from the cicadas? I guess the cicadas being your bread and butter sort of thing kind of maybe freed you up to explore some other things, knowing that that was going to pay the bills. So how did you go to all the other things that you're doing, too? Yeah. So um, I want to start back uh, about like, you know, everyone like planning things out. Yeah, yeah, please. um, (laughs) You know, for me, there are no rules. There are none. There are people who who just have the craziest ideas, and they're spontaneous, and they work really well. There are people who are organized, and it works really well. You just kind of have to play to your strengths. I'm the kind of person where I have an idea, and I have to do it right then and there while I have the fuel, or it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. I've known this about myself since I was a child. I'm a very sporadic, spontaneous person to be around at times. That's kind of mellowed out 
since having a kid, like <laughs> that, as things like tend to do. Um, you have a little more routine in your life. Yes, a little, yeah. but I still love the spontaneity. And so that did fuel all these other ideas I had. I um, never sought out, when I was making crystallized cicadas, I never thought it would be my bread and butter. I never thought right. I could pay off my student loans from art school with crystallized goddamn cicadas. How that, amazing <laughs> is that? It's awesome. It's the weirdest sentence. Like the most specific thing someone could say is I paid off my student loans with crystal covered bugs. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, I raised my cicada tattoo to you. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. And uh, people started buying those. And then I started thinking like, oh man, I should share my other stuff. So I'd share illustrations and people would be like, oh, you can draw? <laughs> I was like, well, I was drawing before this. Yeah. And then I would share some of my electronic music. People would be like, oh, you can make electronic music? And I was like, well, I was doing that before the cicadas. And then I would share my plants. And people would be like, oh my God, you can grow plants? I'm like, <laughs> I've been around plants my whole life. So it was so funny seeing people respond to the different things I'm into. And what ended up happening is people supporting me through my crystallized cicadas gave me the energy and time to hone in on things like my illustrations, music, plants, um, you know, a lot of the cave exploration I've been doing. Like any and all my curiosities now have room and time to grow. And there are people that support them and um, respond to them positively. So that also really helped. Uh, and I just over time started sharing the tiny things I was into and ended up making this big picture where everyone's like, oh my God, you're into so many things. And it's like, well, I've been here for 28 years. I've gathered a few things along the way. <laughs> These are the things I love about planet Earth. And I've just been sharing mm -hmm. those ever since. That's fantastic. So the cicadas, um, they're going strong and you <laughs> start sharing all the other things you do. Talk to us about how... You've turned some of these other ideas of yours into projects that um, you started with experimenting and growing these things. And I'd love to hear more about how your books came about, your T-shirts, your your plush cicada, which your is amazing. <laughs> amazing. And and how these all came about and the different unique ways that you've brought all of these products to life. Yeah. So, uh, most of the ideas I have usually come from this vacuum where I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh, this would be cool. And if I don't see it, if I see nothing like it, mm -hmm. then I think that the best next thing to do in the universe is to do that thing. Mm -hmm. um, it worked mm -hmm. with me with the cicadas. It worked with me with almost everything I've ever pursued. Uh, and so, you know, if we start back, like, I came up with the idea for my grow a damn plant journal because mm -hmm. I was hybridizing a lot of plants. I was spending a lot of time in my greenhouse and I needed to take notes when you're making cultivars or making new plants, you need to do a lot of diligent note taking. And I would take notes on like, you know, pieces of paper, those pieces of paper would get wet in the greenhouse or I would, I would lose them. Right. And then I would write them down in a, you know, a composition notebook. And I'm like, this isn't good enough. I need, I need like, if I'm going to get really nerdy, I need a Pokedex for my plants is what it felt like. And so I was like, no one's designed this, like a data, a database for plants, mm -hmm. your plants. And I thought I need this. I bet other people need this. So I started talking about it on my podcast and talking about uh, uh, this plant journal I wanted to make. And people would email in and be like, can you please make that? And I'm like, really? Once enough people tell you, like once a thousand people tell you, we will buy that if you make it, you would be an idiot if you do not yeah, make it. So. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. Uh, so I made it. Uh, we And so far we've sold around uh, 9,000 copies. And, wow. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Let's say that number again. Uh, we've Yeah, I think we've hit about 9,000 copies. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, when you made this, did you do pre-orders for this like through a Kickstarter campaign or how did how did you know, you know, because when you start out, you don't know you're going to sell 9000 of them, right? Yeah. So I wasn't confident. And this happens to me all the time. I wasn't confident I would sell a whole lot of them. So I did the Kickstarter. 
and I set my goal at like I have to I have to purchase a thousand of this book to get it down to the price that I can afford. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so my goal is I gotta just sell a thousand. And I was like, well, I'll do a Kickstarter. People like to donate more than they'll buy the product for. People just like to donate to a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So I thought I could get the funds to afford a thousand book order. Uh, and we ended up selling 2,500 the Kickstarter. Wow. During the pandemic. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, there was a point where I was emailing everyone and I, I was like, guys, the pandemic's happening. Everyone's talking about losing their jobs. Should I cancel the Kickstarter? Like, I don't want people to be in the midst of the pandemic and go, oh, shit, I got charged $35 and I don't have a job. So I tackled with that. And most people were like, do not cancel this. This is going to get me through the pandemic. Please keep mm. this going. So, Oh, yeah, because people I, had more time to garden than ever, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it played out in my favor. Like everyone got into plants and everyone bought a copy of my journal. Um, and then I would sell out. So I'd place another order. Then I would sell all those. I'd place another order uh, and it just kept going. And I, it, it's just kind of become, that's also become like a staple is the grow a damn plant journal. So, so Tyler, do you have like a warehouse with tons of books in it? <laughs> I don't have my own personal warehouse prior to a shift I had just recently made. I was <laughs> luckily the store where my lab is in, I share my lab with the stem cell science shop in Tulsa. And we closed um, for health and safety reasons, and we just turned the entire building into an online packing facility. Oh, wow. Where we were all doing <laughs> nice. online uh, orders and stuff. So I was storing thousands of books. It was like a box castle. Like, it was towers of just boxes of books. Wow. Uh, but DFTBA uh, reached out to me, um, and, and Hank Green and his team, and they were like, hey, man, you look stressed like low-key and we love your stuff and you know that whole team they're like we all love your stuff we want you to use our services so now they do all my fulfillment nice shipping which has given me all the time in the world to be back with my family and explore new uh new ideas that's awesome i know shipping can be such a hassle It's horrible. And I've never I've never done anything near that kind of quantity (laughs) of anything. I mean, those were the books. And then did the T-shirts come before or after the books? Oh, Lord. Oh, man, the T-shirts. So (laughs) (laughs) I'd been doing T-shirts since I shared my illustrations after the crystallized stuff. People would say, put that on a shirt. And I was like, I can have shirts. So um, I had done shirts and I would get, you know, 50 to 60 like orders and then Sadly, after the George Floyd murder, uh, I, you know, out, me, like everyone else, most people, we were livid, we were hurt, we were scared. Oh, yeah. And just yeah. so fucking angry. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person of color. I saw this shit all the time. Right. So yeah. many people are like, I can't believe they kneeled on his neck. And I'm like, dude, I'm seeing a video like that once a week from me and my black friends and fellow black artists. Like, but we are all collectively outraged. So I said, fuck it, I'm going to make a shirt and raise money for all these protesters that were getting uh, arrested, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took my Raise Some Heck shirt, which I've had for a while. I put it on black with a bright coral poppy flower, bright, sorry, bright coral letters, mm-hmm. and it says Raise Some Heck. And I said, I'm going to donate um, the proceeds to help with the bail project and a bunch mm-hmm. of other black causes. I thought maybe we could sell... Maybe I could donate five grand. Yeah. I was like, that would be an awesome goal. If we right. could raise $5,000, man, I at least feel like I did my part during the pandemic. We ended up raising $75,000 in three days. Um, oh, my gosh. $75,000 in three days. That is amazing. How I many t-shirts was, was that? Oh, my God. Jesus effing Christ. It was 10,000 <laughs> shirts. Wow. <laughs> so... And, yes. and did you ship those personally yes. at that point? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, I imagine. Yes. So Wow. I almost lost my mind last year, if I'm being entirely honest. Uh we had the pandemic. Um I had my personal life that was crumbling. And a new baby. <laughs> Newish new baby. baby. Um, we had a toddler, we were in lockdown. There's no books on parenting during a pandemic. Um <laughs> and I raised seventy five grand for I, you know, we donated it to the bail project. That's amazing. Toward, um, 
Yeah, we donated toward mental health for black women. For um, we we ended up paying for the entire GoFundMe for a group of black artists in Tulsa to get their gallery. Um, we ended up wow. donating. I ended up like supporting a bunch of families and buying their groceries for months during the pandemic. Like I was doing the thing. Like I was like, man, I am killing it. I'm doing what I feel like I've always wanted to do, which is to use my art for good. Um, and then I had to ship 10,000 shirts, which <laughs> there is, let me There's tell you. There's a downside to all that uh, good. <laughs> it's less of a downside and more like driving off of a fucking cliff. Like <laughs> there's nothing more existential than shipping 10,000 of anything. Also, not to mention you have to fold. Oh my God, folding. I cannot fold a shirt well enough. 10,000, <laughs> folding 10,000 shirts. So what did you do? Did you, get, did you get people to help? Did you hire people? Yep, um, I had an assistant, still do at the, I had my assistant at the time. I hired like a team of six people. We worked wow. every day. Like I was there every day and everyone was taking shifts for about a month and a half straight. Wow. Um, it, it, was, it was a lot, but it felt you know, I was like, "This, I'm young, I have the energy, and I'm fucking angry. I want to burn down the buildings. I'm livid. I'm hurt. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is a more productive use of my energy. Absolutely. Um, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's also, it's amazing that you're in a position to do that because that wasn't that long after you had to do a project to raise money because your house burned down. Yep. So in 2016, uh, we had a house fire and we, we were in this house for maybe three months. And I'm going to just take a quick step to tell everyone listening, get, get, the, get, get a good electrician when you're getting a house. Oh, gosh. Get, mm. Pay for the goddamn inspection, yeah. like the whole thing. Right. Um, we got this house and we didn't get a good electrician. They didn't check everything. And one of the rooms that was added on had faulty wiring. They used to insulate houses with newspaper. I mean, you think of a worse, like... Yeah, I mean, how dumb is that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so we stepped out of the house for maybe two hours. Um, and we came back, and there were 12 fire trucks up the street. And it was... Our house was just this, like, obsidian tower of smoke and ash. Um, I lost my pet. We lost everything. Aww, like, no. literally everything. Um, it was a very surreal night. Like you're in so much shock that you can't respond the way you want to. Most people think that they're going to like scream, roll in the grass, shout to the heavens. I was just like, Oh wow. Like I remember saying, Oh, this is kind of pretty. Like I was just so, I was (laughs) so in shock. Like I just didn't know what to do. And then the firefighters hand me my, the smoldering remains of my pet. And I'm like, Oh Oh my God. Oh, Oh, this is happening. And the first thing I had to do was I was like, I just looked at Molly and I was like, get me the fucking shovel. She's like, what? I'm like, just give me the shovel. And I dug our pet's grave and then I buried it. And I looked back at the house. I said, okay, what's next? And wow. the firefighter said, it's all gone. I'm like, okay, there's nothing. <laughs> nothing wow. Next. Um, but the project that came after that, um, this kind of started what I think is my current narrative where, I posted on Instagram. I said, oh my God, guys, our house is gone. I remember I know that. I have crystallized. Yeah, I was like, I know we have crystallized cicada orders. Guys, it's good. I'm not going to be able to get. <laughs> I typed. I said, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm not going to be able to get to those. There's going to be a little bit of a delay. Please be understanding. And everyone was like, your house just burned down. And next thing I knew, they people started to go fund me for us. And we raised $18,000. Um, Molly and I had to stop the GoFundMe. I was like, guys, our needs are met. Like, I, I was crying. I was speechless that strangers would donate $18,000 to help us that would come together. It's uh, we had to, Yeah. And uh, the next morning, I woke up after the fire, and I, we were making a list of everything we lost, uh, including artwork for, for my first ever book, uh, I was working on an art book uh, called The Wisdom of the Furnace. And I had this title before any of this happened. Oh, I really? Thought, I want to make uh, I remember yeah. the title and I thought it came out of the fire. No. So funny enough, oh, that's crazy. I thought of this name, The Wisdom of the Furnace, 
as an homage to the old alchemists that would live out in the woods by their furnace Mm -hmm. and all the old alchemists that would die or, you know, get completely eviscerated working on crazy experiments. I thought I'm going to make a book for those, for those people. Um, And the next morning after the fire, I looked at Molly and I said, Oh fuck, I lost everything for the wisdom of the furnace. And Mm -hmm. there was something in the universe that was like, it just hit me. Like it just blasted me. And I thought, no, 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 no. I can't write a book about the catalyst of fire, of change, of growth, uh, of, you know, of chemistry, of alchemy without having first experienced the entropy of it myself. And after that, I went straight back to the house into the smoldering remains. I took some of the pieces that survived and I photographed them and I thought, I'm going to redo this book. I'm still going to do this book and I'm going to have it done by the original deadline. And I redid the entire book from scratch with no home to call my own with nothing except the clothes I had gotten at like gap that next day from the GoFundMe. Wow. And I did the wisdom of the furnace and I did it right. And I did it the way that the universe supposedly <laughs> wanted me to do Decided it. Decided that was know. your way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and yeah, we sold God, 3,000 copies. I, I only did it that once. I could probably relist it, but, you know, it was a very exciting, wow. very devastating chapter in my life. Yeah. And so that was your first book. Yes. And how did you get, how did you print that one? Did you do pre-sales on that? I did Kickstarter. Kickstarter? It was funded okay. in the first day. Okay. And that was one of my first experiences of how my artwork can blow up, like, uh, I did the Kickstarter. I thought, I hope we make it. It was funded in the first six hours. And I just was like, oh, my God. Well, I imagine that a lot of the people that um, contributed to that GoFundMe probably also backed the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, I think, still thinking about it. It's like I could cry. It, yeah. It was a very energetic time of my life. <laughs> And when did you start your social media following? Um, were those a lot of the people that were purchasing your book? Yes. At that time, uh, you know, I had been doing the crystallized stuff for maybe about a year and a half. Um, I, I had gotten into the rhythms of realizing this could really be my, like, I might not have to clock in at a grocery store ever again. Um, and I had a decent following. And, and it was a very supportive following. And then it just kept growing with every new idea I'd share. You know, I would share my grow a damn plant journal and all these plant people were like, who's this crazy guy with the cool plant journal. And then those plant <laughs> people would be like, you do, you grow crystals on bugs. It just keeps <laughs> happening where I'll attract a new audience and they'll be like, wait, you do D and D grow plants. So I'm like, I was like, what brought you here? And they'll tell me what brought them to my page. And then they learn about all this other crazy shit I'm into. <laughs> but I love that. Cause so many people think they have to focus on one thing to grow a social following, right? Like I'm going to be the, the person who just does crystals on dead bugs and that's all I'm going to be doing. Right. But you're following so many different passions and openly sharing those with everyone and they love it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's tricky because you know, with the algorithm, all that bullshit. Oh, the, fuck algorithm, the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, fuck the algorithm is fucking me, dude. The al- I the algorithm, uh, it wants you to focus. It wants you to do that. Yeah, Pick one thing and be the crystal bug guy or the you know the gardening naked person. Like they, it wants you to be <laughs> the one, almost like an avatar, and uh, those people blow up. And I've noticed since I started diversifying what I share, uh, I, I, my stuff has had less reach, but I don't care because I don't want someone to look at me and go, oh, you're the macabre, crystal bug, dead, vulture culture guy. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really that at all. Yeah. Um, well, and I love this because everything we hear these days and everybody we talk to is like, Narrow down, niche down, find, you know, find your one thing and and narrow down your ideal client or customer avatar. And and everything in me fights against that because I have so many different interests and things I want to do 
So it's really great to hear about somebody who can be successful doing that. And I mean, you do have like the one main thing that is probably what you're best known for, but it's not stopping you from doing all the other things and making them successful too. Yeah. And you know, it's like, like let's talk realistically that humans, at least I don't think, you know, humans aren't meant to pick one thing to do. Till you die. God, I hope not. Um, no, that sounds horrible, right? <laughs> it does. Like it really does. Yeah. School and corporate America wants yep. us to think: here's your one thing, just rinse and repeat until you're sixty, and then we'll see about giving you whatever you have left. Like that's not how that's not how things work. That's not how us as animals, as curious, curious animals, are meant to right. work. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I do better whenever I'm have a lot to sort of like sift through in life. Like if I get done with this one thing, well, thank God I got five other mm-hmm. things I'm obsessed with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you're never going to be bored. Yeah. That's the point, you know, I, yeah. and boredom's as a parent, I'm learning, like, it's okay to be bored. Like, like I, you want your kids to be bored. Cause that's when they start problem solving. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not asking to be entertained and t- all the time. I'm just making sure I have the capacity to entertain myself with the tools around me. Absolutely. And I, I just yesterday or even earlier today read something about how boredom is partly necessary for creativity to happen. Yes, I agree. Yeah. You, I mean, you need, you need it. Um, a lot of us hate it, but the way to get out of boredom is to use the tools around you and figure out something to do. Yeah. Come (laughs) up with one of your 8,000 crazy projects. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) So I have to ask being a dad, is that what sort of instigated your latest plushie? Oh man. If I'm being a thousand percent honest with you, I don't know where that idea came from. Um, I think I was just sitting around. So when the DFTBA took over, Mm -hmm. I had time. They they were like, hey, man, whatever ideas you have, send them to us. We have manufacturers for everything. And so I thought, well, if I made a plushie, and, and maybe a part of it was seeing Nova play with his toys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really into cicadas and, like, collecting bugs. Shocking. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought, well, if I made a – I think I thought, well, if I made a, a cicada plushie, and I thought, what if it's, like – a cicada shell that unzips into an adult cicada. And I sent that to the DFTBA team and they were like, holy shit. <laughs> and, and I Googled it. There's not a cicada. There's not a molting cicada plushie. In fact, there are next to no, and this is just from Google, someone who, who maybe one of your listeners is like, hey, hey man, I, I make molting cicada plushies. <laughs> I'm going to guess not, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Uh, there aren't any molting insect plushies. Um, mm. And I th- now I'm like, oh my God, that's a whole series, you know? Oh, uh, I can see a, a butterfly or a moth coming out of a cocoon. Yeah. Already, I'm already working on of that one. Of course you are. Um, Excellent. Uh, a, a molting praying mantis. <gasps> like, uh, so many. Snake. <laughs> Snake. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't spiders. stop. And Have you seen spiders like a, mold? Oh yeah. Like a tarantula. Oh my God. Yeah, okay, it's so, so like, creepy. Cool. We could throw ideas back. This is why I love this stuff, because when you're curious and you're in love with the world, everything you observe inspires another thing. And that's why I like combining nature, because it's like nature's got everything, you literally everything you would need for inspiration. It's all right out there. And um, so I shared the cicada plushie. I, I didn't really hype it. I just one day hopped on Instagram and I was like, I made uh, this thing. And we sold. 4,300 plushies in like a week. I know. Sadly, I didn't find out about it until they were sold out. <laughs> oh, yeah. The al- you can thank the algorithm for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. So talk to us about the just the practicality of it. How do you design a plushie? How do you make a plushie? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, luckily for me, I'm in that dream position now where I have the idea I know how to draw, so I draw the idea and I send it to people who know what they're doing. So I, I said, can we make a plushie within a plushie that zips? And they said, yes. I said, okay, 
well, I want it to look like this. So I sent them a drawing of the cicada and they said, we can do that. We need a drawing of every side, like, mm-hmm. like front, yeah. Yeah. top, back. Yeah. So I did that and they said, okay, now what does the plushie inside that plushie look like? So I said, can it look like this? So they said, we can do that. Send us a top view, back view, side view, front view. So I did. And they said, okay, here's what we can do as close to that as possible. They sent me some stuff. Um, you know, they send me photos of the samples. Mm-hmm. I say yay or nay or change mm-hmm. this, change that. Once they've made something I like, then they say, okay, we're shipping it to you so you can hold it, interact with it, tell us how you feel. I got the cicada in and I thought, oh my God, I'm holding this. Like this is, this, I didn't even have to make it. I just had to sketch it and ask somebody for help. That's amazing. And, uh, and that's such, that is a critical thing that so many people aren't like willing to do. It's just asking for help. Yeah. That I've always done that. Like in high school, I had my own art shows simply by emailing salons or coffee shops. I'm like, can I hang some art up for a month? And they're like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 15. And they're like, sure. <laughs> and you just, yeah, you have to ask for help. Like even when I reached out to JW Cooper mm-hmm. for a trade, like good things come from just asking for what you need. Uh, and yeah. Not everyone's receptive, but chances are there's at least one person out there who's like, yeah, I can help. I have time and the energy. And that one person could change your life, literally. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I think uh, Laura and I both have been uh, intimidated by that in the past. But since starting this podcast, we're like, yeah, we'll just ask people. The worst they can do is say no. <laughs> yeah, and, and most people are curious, you know, like most people will open the email and say, what is this? And then, and then Tyler Thrasher's on your podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm here. (laughs) Oh, and you should see the list of people that I'm not quite confident enough to ask yet. (laughs) Oh, do it. Send it. Send, send it. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) Amanda Palmer. Are you listening? (gasps) I don't think you are, but eventually you'll be on our podcast. I'll DM her for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So we got plushies, we got books, we got t-shirts, and you have another plant-related book coming soon, I believe you just announced. Tell us about that one. Yeah. Okay. So another niche, another void. Uh, My wife loves to collect and press leaves and flowers Mm -hmm. from our garden. Mm, Right. Um, and I had been looking to get a flower press for her for her, it was a couple of birthdays ago. And most flower presses you can find, you know, they're either really expensive or they are really tacky. And I thought, there's got to be some middle ground mm-hmm. here. And so I, I had one custom made for her by our woodworker friend. And I was like, can you make, like, how long did it take to make this? And he was like, a month. And it uh-huh. weighs a lot. It's got leather straps. It's beefy, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And I thought, again, there's got to be a middle ground. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought, why has someone made a flower pressing journal? Googled it. There's a couple things, maybe, but again, they're they're really tacky, or you know, in my opinion, kind of hobby lobby e. Right. Like it just felt yeah. kind of like I was like, where's the taste here? Right. I, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm a, such a snob, but I was like, it's got to be beautiful, and so. I thought I want to, I'm going to make it if I, if I can't find it and I need it, mm-hmm. surely other people need it. So yep. I reached out to a bunch of uh, bookmaking companies. Most of them were like, we cannot make a book out of wax paper or vellum, like the things you need to press flowers. Eventually I found one that said we can do a book out of vellum. It will not be cheap. And I thought that's uh, okay. That's fair. Let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they put together this beautiful journal that fit my specifications. It's a very weird shape. It's mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember the dimensions, but it's very tall and and, and kind of skinny. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a very weirdly shaped book, but perfect for pressing leaves. It looks kind of like a like one of those old ledgers, that kind of size and shape. Yeah, uh, it, I needed. I I like weird shaped books. They they just they really get my attention. So I was like, mm-hmm. this is nice. And there's a nice cutout uh, on the front cover where you can put your pressed leaves and you can pretty much design the cover of this book. Nice. Um, Oh, cool. And it's called the Phantom Flora. And that will be shipping 
uh, I'll have those in hand early November, and I'll be opening up the pre-orders for those really soon. Um, so people can start pre-ordering them and get them in time for the holidays. Now that's up my alley because I can't grow a plant or keep one alive, but <laughs> I can press one. <laughs> I, I can I can keep the dead ones going. <laughs> you can keep a dead one looking good. I that, can. Hey, I mean, I can. I, I, I use I use dead flowers and dead insects in my art. So, <laughs> so I'll be getting one of those. <laughs> well, and what I love, what I love about it is that you take this approach, Tyler, where you see that gap in the market and you're curious about something, you look it up and then you take action. And I think that that's the gap that so many artists have is they see something and they might even see, oh, this doesn't exist. But then they're so intimidated by taking that next step that they don't. What would you say to people like that? Um well, first off, I'm not. I'm going to take my own horn and punt it out the window um, <laughs> onto the freeway. I am a nervous wreck. I am horribly insecure. I have anxiety of every flavor you can imagine. Um, it's what people see from me. I try to be honest with that. Um, I am trying to convince myself that I can fucking do it. Um, I'm never fully sure of myself. It's always a gamble in my head, and I never feel qualified to do that thing. But I still do it um, because the world is larger than me and my insecurities and my anxieties. And something I'm nervous about may very well inspire the ever-loving shit out of somebody else. Um, so the mm -hmm. first step is you got to get out of your own head. You're, you have no idea how others will respond. You don't get to pick that. And the second you say, I'm going to put my idea out of my own head and into the world where other creatures live, you do not get to pick how they decide how they interact with it. Uh, and that's right. good and bad. But if you can own that entire narrative, then it doesn't matter because everyone's doing that every single day. I mean, my example, Hollywood makes multi-million dollar movies that are pure garbage. And some of those <laughs> directors probably thought they were making hot, spicy shit. And they were actually <laughs> making a pile of hot, steaming shit. So... If Hollywood can do this on millions and millions and millions of dollars, like it's nothing, then you can take your idea that you had at two in the morning or while you're in the shower arguing with a past self, you can take that idea and just put it out there. Or having an existential crisis conversation with a cicada. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, we love. We're going to link to those in the show oh notes because right. those reels are so awesome. I was rolling on the ground laughing. Oh, my God. They are. Um, but first, back to this, the idea <laughs> that, yeah, you have all this anxiety and fear and unknown, but you don't let it stop you. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's hard because your your mind is gets in the way. We all know this. We, you know, we all got some of us got dumb brain syndrome, evil brain syndrome, where your brain will want to get you to like pull in and shelter mm -hmm. and cut off everything. That's not how the world works. Right. And you just got to look at it. Are there things from my past that are helping feed this narrative? And are those things from the past even still alive or are they fossils? Once you've decided that nothing matters. That's the thing. There are no rules. There is no innate purpose. We're just here to do what we love and hopefully do some good and help others along the way. And if you can get that mentality going, your ideas, they could be important. They could be. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't have to be important. That's the other thing. You can just have an idea that you love or you think is silly or goofy. And you can share it and say, hey, look, if it's received well or not, doesn't matter. There's a, there's a good chance it could be people make hot garbage like Hollywood all the time. I, I just, it's all about getting out of your own head, you know? Absolutely. So let's talk about this uh this existential cicada that got out of your head and started uh, having conversations on uh, TikTok and Instagram. God damn it. Um, oh, sh how did they even start? I look, I talk to myself all the time. Uh -huh. um, it gets pretty bleak in my head. If you, if there was a camera set up in my lab, most of it would be me pacing back and forth, talking to myself, arguing with past people, arguing with future me, and then I would stop occasionally to stir the chemical solutions <laughs> and then get back to pacing and arguing. Um, 
my brain's always talking and always going uh, and it can yeah. be really exhausting. And so I thought, what if I took some of this and I projected it into say a plushie? <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. It, so it, it was, it was I, hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> it's very dumb. I get it. But I, I it started with me like, <laughs> the cicada blew up the plushie blew up and i do a lot of dungeons and dragons so i have a lot of silly voices uh-huh. and i tell stories and i thought what if i gave this cicada a really dumb a really dumb voice um and i i did this little skit where i walk in and the cicada's sitting on a couch and i'm like oh my god cicada like you're freaking popular and the cicada's like me me <laughs> They love me, and I was like, I was cracking myself up. Like, what would the cicada sound like? Um, and then it, everyone thought it was funny. So I thought, what if I gave the cicada an existential crisis? Brilliant. <laughs> and so I thought that was funny. I was like a plushie having an existential crisis, and the cicada's like, you know, you know, is, is there more to me than just marketing? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm like. I'm like consoling the cicada, but then the cicada is really a reflection of me. And so I'm giving myself therapy through the cicada. And I, and I, so many people are like, oh my God, these are things I think. And now this plushie's helping me. And I'm like, God, oh, what have I done? So it was just all out of me just trying to cope and get through, you know? <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, well, and you had the, you had the guts to be vulnerable and put that out there, and everybody really connected to that, right? Yeah, because they saw themselves <laughs> in it. Um, but yeah, the voice was hilarious. Well, also that, um, okay, you'll say that you'll say that it's fear and anxiety that you're trying to break through, but from this side, it's like, man, he has the confidence to just put it all out there and. Be his own goofy self, and and I wish <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like <sighs> healthy confidence has to come with a bit of anxiety. They almost fuel each other. It's like you got to have them both. You know, you got to have the anxiety to not mm-hmm. be. To not have too much hubris, right? You got to have the right. anxiety to not be like, wow, man, I'm hot shit. And then when people tell you you're not, you're like, I don't hear it. Like, you got to have the anxiety to not have the narcissist behavior, but you also got to have the confidence to not let the anxiety suffocate you. I think they go hand in hand. And if you can find the balance between your natural born anxiety and then not let it consume you. And find the confidence to say, I'm going to be brave and silly or vulnerable or yada yada despite my anxiety. That helps curb the anxiety. Um, you, I just think you have to have both to be, I'm not saying I'm a well-rounded human, but I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying every day. So I'm, I'm trying, but you got to have both, you know. And it's also okay if not everybody loves you. Yeah, because as you grow on social media, um, especially as you've you've um, grown pretty substantially over the last few years, right? Um, not not everybody's going to be your number one fan, and that's okay. Yeah, like and and that, that's always tricky because you get the DMs from people that are like, "Man, I really like the crystal stuff, but now you're sharing these stupid videos that I don't think are funny, so I got to unfollow you." And for me, I'm just when I get those, I'm like. Who the hell messages somebody like, <laughs> to say that, right? I'm like, what are you doing? Go, go to Just the grocery go. store. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's all about them. It's not about you, right? Just hit yeah, unfollow. Um, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, too, like, you know, there are shit talkers everywhere. There are going to be people that are going to have their own experiences and bias and their own lenses that they view themselves mm-hmm. and others through. I do it. We all do it. Everyone listening has at least some sort of lens that reflects off of ourselves. Once you understand that about people, it's hard to take too many things personally. Like everyone's hurt and everyone's doing their best. And some of us just lash out a little louder than others. Yeah, for sure. But if you're, if you're pissing those people off or annoying them and they unfollow you, that's okay because you're just, narrowing down your audience to the people who really appreciate what you do. Yes. 
Exactly. Yeah. We're still here. <laughs> and really, what, what more do you need? <laughs> uh, yeah, just this. This is great. <laughs> um, so what else is next for you? Oh, my God. Oh, um, so much. One of 300 ideas brimming in your head? Yes. Give us a couple. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, a couple. So, um, flyer pressing journal, a whole bunch of plushies I'm working on. Um, this geode plushie series Ooh. where it's a plushie geode that you is velcroed shut and it cracks open and there's a tiny plushie insect inside of this crystal plushie geode. Um, nice. Cool. Uh, I'm very, I'm very proud of that one. Um, and then uh, I am working on building a public conservatory. So um, I'm working toward uh, getting a bigger lab. And teaming up with a couple of other science-minded people and mm-hmm. a really badass um, nanotech scientist in Tulsa, Paige Johnson. She does some really amazing work with batteries. Um, she's just an incredible person um, and really supports the sciences. Uh, we're trying to get a building together where my lab can be open to the public. People can come see my work and they can go to the roof and explore the conservatory on the roof that will house all of my crazy plants. And so... nice. That's the next goal is uh, I want like a, like if plants, pretty much if I could do Willy Wonka the way I'd want to, um, (laughs) that's what I'm, 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 I'm that's what your factory would look like. Yes. (laughs) Um, I can see it. Um, I love that. I can see it. It's time for a road trip to Tulsa. (laughs) That's the plan, you know? (laughs) So Tyler, my entire family lives in Tulsa. So when I go visit, yeah, my parents and, and uh, my brother's family all live there. So Next time I'm in town, I'm going to have to see you face to face. Cool. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's, and you know, there's a lot of people that follow my work and my work looks different in person than on social media. And so I want somewhere where I can display, you know, hundreds of crystallized insects yeah. and have plants and we, you know, I can go get coffee with people and we can pop up to the greenhouse and I can just talk your ear off about the things I love about this world Nice. and you can't escape. You have to sit in that greenhouse hey, with me. Sign me, <laughs> sign me up. I'm in, I'm in for sure. <laughs> All right. So more plushies, the yes. conservatory building conservatory. and yep. what else you got, man. So just if I'm going full fantasy here, please do. My goal one day is I want to own a cave. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to own a cave that I can dig out, excavate, explore. Um, hopefully, maybe there's some endangered species that I can use my resources to protect as well. Um, I have a friend of mine who he bought land here and um, he bought it because he felt air coming out of one of the cliff faces on the land. Oh, wow. And he, he knew well enough to know that there was maybe a cave system hidden on this land, bought it fairly cheap, and then he literally dug out the crack and opened up into a mile-long cavern <gasps> that had severely endangered uh, uh, gray bats. I oh think they're the long-eared bats. And he did everything he could to protect them, got the gates, the cages on the entrance so no one could go in and vandalize it, and he kept digging and found some of the tallest calcite structures in that part of Oklahoma in a cave, like fountains, fountains of calcite just dripping down from the ceilings. And he took that as like a reward from the universe for finding these bats and taking the efforts to protect them. Amazing. That's what I, I would love to put my love and energy towards something like that. That's fantastic. That is super cool. I didn't even uh, realize Oklahoma has these caves and stuff. Um, so Tulsa doesn't have a whole lot of caves. Um, mm-hmm. Hardly any. You got to go to like eastern Oklahoma right next okay. to Arkansas. Uh, the closer you get to Arkansas, you get closer to that type of elevation where there's karst and limestone. And that's where you get cave formation. So eastern Oklahoma has some pretty good caves. But of course... Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, that's where you're going to get some of the beautiful like show caves that you pay to walk through. Awesome. Or the or the one that you're going to own in the future. Yep. We've got some of those in Kentucky where I live. Oh, Kentucky's big. Yeah. Kentucky, yes. uh, Kentucky has a uh, mammoth caves. Oh, yeah. So, yep. yeah, I mean, that's the dream. I would love to just have a little piece of land. Maybe build a curiosity cabin out there with for me and my family, somewhere where I can like you know, I grew up with a big family, and uh, I, I dream of having somewhere where I can have my own family reunions that are healthy and uh, awesome and safe, <laughs> and somewhere where I can be like, 
this is a safe space and we have a cool ass cabin and I have a cave right here who wants to put on some helmets and headlamps and go learn some stuff and explore like that. That's the kind of dad I want to (laughs) be. That's awesome. So um, we have a couple of questions that we like to sort of tie things up with. Um, I want to know, is there anything that we didn't ask you that we should have? (laughs) Can you think of anything? Oh, man, that's that's a question. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot or anything. Oh, you just flipped that shit off me. <laughs> <laughs> Things that you should have asked me. Um, oh, man. Well, I like sour candy, so we can really? inquire about the sour candy. I love, I'm obsessed. People bring me sour candy to my art shows, like, as offerings. Interesting. What kind? Frequently. Any particular kind or anything sour? So I'm going to go ahead and say this. Okay. Warheads are not what they used to be. They're absolute garbage. They're not even enjoyable. <laughs> All right. Uh, 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 let's see here. Trolley, bottom of the bottom of the barrel. Like, huh. not, do not consider a trolley sour worm in the family of sour candy. Okay. Bottom of the barrel. Um, so what are the best? I'm going to top tier. It's a, it is a tight competition between uh, smog balls. So Smog <laughs> uh, balls. There's a sour candy company called Toxic Waste, and they make these things called smog balls. They're like jawbreakers that when you bite into them, you are just absolutely blasted with, like, just electricity. It's wow. They are freaking delicious. Huh. Um, top tier. And then next to that, uh, sour, sour strips. So uh, there's a, a candy company called Actual Candy, and they make these like sour strips and they are the best and they say this and they've earned it like they said we are the best there's no one else that can beat our sour candy i said i will test this i ordered a bunch they actually sent me a bunch like to to prove me wrong um and (laughs) like immediately like my mouth gets goosebumps when i think about them it you cannot beat the sour strips Ooh, ooh, tyler tyler i see a series i see a partnership Sour cicadas. Sour. <gasps> okay, I'm, I'm typing the email okay. as we speak. Okay, um, it's it's Nikki N I K K I. Oh my god! So yeah, I don't want uh, any. I don't want any money for my idea. Just a little line of credit. That's, I can do that. I can, I can get that. I can get that lined up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sour cicadas. Who wants worms that, when that, you can eat a cicada? Oh my god! Who can I reach? Okay, hold up. <laughs> hold up. I'm so effing serious. Wait. Okay, whoever's listening, listen, listen, listen. If you can make this happen for us, we. This is great. Sour cicadas. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my god. Okay. And then you rip the cicada shell open and you pull out. <gasps> yes. <laughs> it has a crunchy outer shell and a gummy oh. inside. What? Okay. Hold, okay. You got to let me line this up before you air this because someone's going to take uh, uh, another. Well, no. we've got a. Uh, Hold up. We'll work on How this. How much time do I have? We'll work on this. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Seriously. Hard molting can- insect candy. Yeah. Hard out- outside. Inside, it's a gummy. God yeah. damn it, Nikki. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Shit. I love it. Okay. I love it too. All right. Aren't you glad I asked you that hard question? Dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll talk. Nice. We'll make this happen. Nice. Yeah. Let's chat. And we also know the top tear sours now that we can bribe Tyler with at any point in time in the future. Absolutely. I, a thousand percent Absolutely. will work every time. Awesome. He's revealed his weakness. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another question we like to ask to wrap up our episodes is what advice would you give to our listeners who are just getting started? And the advice that you wish looking back on the, your career, like what you wish you would have known when you were first getting started. Oh my God. Yes. A couple of things. Um, acknowledge your weaknesses. 
and find people in your circle that can help <laughs> satisfy those weaknesses. Yeah. I am not right. the most organized person. And when my social media blew up and I had a hundred people want to order a piece of art and I have no organizational skills or tendencies, I really made things hard for myself. So just, just be honest with yourself. It's okay to say you have weaknesses and it's actually very, very strong to, to stop and say, these are the things I suck at, but luckily there are people who are good at these. So acknowledge mm-hmm. those and also ask yourself, how can I fuck this up? That just get that out of the way. <laughs> get that Cause you can, but ask yourselves like, how can I fuck this up? And then just, Keep that right there on the on your periphs. Don't obsess over yeah. it, but just keep that list be aware on hand. Of it. Be aware because they do exist, and just be mm-hmm. prepared because it is the enemy, you, future you, who will fuck things up. <laughs> so <laughs> so th- those are my two big ones to help ease future uh, hurdles. Those are great. Beyond that, beyond that, if we're talking staying inspired, nature, 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 nature. All technology is inspired by nature. Everything you use day to day was inspired by some natural observation. Mm -hmm. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling uninspired, do not get on social media. Do not. Social media is the envy machine. There is nothing worse than literally being uninspired while also comparing yourself to others. Oh, God. Yeah. Get off social media. You're so right. And get the fuck outside. It's such a trite and cliche thing to say, but God damn it, it works. Get outside Mm -hmm. and just stop and look around and you will find something that will inspire you or at least remind you that there are things beyond your own internal hurdles, Um, you know, and ask for help. Ask for help. Yep. Absolutely. Those are great. Tyler, thank you so much for being (laughs) here and talking to us for the last hour or so. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, (laughs) I have been a fan for, as we've said, many years. And so it's really nice to get to know you a bit more. Oh. And, uh... Yeah, you're talented beyond belief and just an inspiration. Wow, thank you. And we're gonna talk candy. (laughs) Um... Uh... Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I mean, no one take our idea. Don't let me. We're going to do it. We're going to do gonna it. We're going to do it. it. We're we'll, we'll get it in the works before we release this episode. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, guys. For today's Start a Society show notes and links to all the things that Tyler is currently obsessed with, go to startasociety.com slash Tyler Thrasher. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review. Reviews help us reach more startists like you and keep us inspired to continue creating new episodes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.